to the Gospel of John in John chapter 5. And I'm reading from verse 30, John chapter 5, and beginning to read from verse 30. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than that of John, for the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray this morning that you might speak to us. We pray that we might be a people that do hear, a people that do see, and a people that do acknowledge and accept you as Lord and King. Father God, speak to us, we pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit, working in and through each one of us, and in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, the first Sunday in the new year, we launched our text for the year, and uh, hopefully you've been uh, reminding yourself of it in the course of this week, and you've uh, got those cards. We've produced some more cards if you didn't get one. And of course, our text for the year comes from Joshua 1, chapter, uh, verse 9. And uh, you all know it, don't you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. So you do know it really, don't you? You do know it. And uh, at the beginning of this new year, we're continuing to think about uh, new beginnings. And uh, we were saying uh, last week that uh, the secret of our success 
can be found in following God, the secrets of our success. We said that Joshua knew God's purpose, that Joshua knew God's promises, and that Joshua knew God's presence. And if we're going to be strong and courageous uh, throughout this year, then we're going to have to know the things that, that Joshua knew. We're going to have to know what God's purpose is for our lives. We're going to have to build our lives on God's promises. And we're going to need to experience God's presence in our lives. And so I'll just remind you of those things. This morning, uh, Graham has nicely uh, set the scene for us. And uh, I've decided that today uh, I can only please one person, and today I choose me. I wonder what would life, what would your life look like if you decided to live your life just to please yourself? How different would your life look? Or would it look any different? Would it look uh, any different? We live in a, in a world, don't we, that encourages us to please yourself. Please yourself. Uh, do what pleases you. As long as you don't harm anybody else, uh, it doesn't really matter. And uh, when we come to Scripture, uh, we see something of that. Living to please ourselves is, of course, not how we are supposed to live. Living to please ourselves is not how we are supposed to live. Jesus says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus demonstrated in his life somebody that lived not to please himself. Jesus wasn't about pleasing himself. This is that great theologian, Dr. Zeus. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Please yourself. Say what you think. Um, If people are offended, tough. Um, that's how many people encourage people to live. Living to please ourselves is not what we're meant to do. In fact, it seems to me that the, the, the gospel says exactly the opposite. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is saying that only a few people will actually discover the true meaning, the true way to live. Of course, we don't want only a few people, do we? We think uh, to be successful, which of course is what we want to be, we want to be uh, strong and courageous and we want to live lives that are successful. We think successful means attracting lots of people. And uh, there's a sense in which we are discouraged, aren't we? We're discouraged when perhaps only a few people turn up to an event. Uh, But perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Because Jesus almost seemed to go out of his way to say how difficult and how hard it is. Jesus didn't say, you know, come to me and uh, all your problems will disappear and uh, life will be great and life will be okay. He seemed to say, you know, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be quite hard. 
you're not going to be able to live a life that's pleasing yourself. And, of course, lots of people didn't like Jesus' message. I perhaps should have said at the beginning of this sermon that some people might be offended by what I'm going to say. Some people might not like the message. And maybe the message isn't for everybody. Maybe, actually, when we think that we've got to appeal to everybody, we're missing the point. It seems to me that that Jesus didn't try and appeal to everybody. Not only did he not live to please himself, he didn't live to please other people. Perhaps only a few will find the way. Perhaps that's just how it is. Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and said, you know, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do you know the commandments? He says, yes, I've known the commandments. He says, well, there's one thing you lack. You know, go and sell everything and give your money to the poor, and then you'll have riches in heaven. And of course, the rich young, the rich young man, uh, you know, thought Jesus was joking about this. And I wonder whether we respond in the same way to the difficult and hard demands that Jesus actually puts on us if we really want to follow him and live for him. I wonder how many of us at times feel like walking away. And and, and the truth is, of course, some people do walk away. We all know people who've given up. Later on in in John's Gospel, uh, in in John chapter 6, from verse kind of 66, um, 60 onwards, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said to him, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And many disciples deserted Jesus. We shouldn't be discouraged when we discover that not everybody wants to follow Jesus. Because some people will choose to live a life to please themselves. And if we're going to live a life to please ourselves, we're not going to be able to follow Jesus. Living to please ourselves is not what Jesus calls us to do. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for her soul, for his soul? If anyone would come after me, deny, he has to deny himself and take up the cross. Jesus didn't say, take up your guitar. He didn't say, take up reading a book. He didn't say, take up a hobby. He said, take up your cross, which was very demanding because basically it meant give your life. People that took up, took up the cross uh, were going to die. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to be prepared to give up everything. It's not about living to please ourselves. Secondly, it's not about pleasing others. We're not about pleasing other people. It's an interesting one, this one, because sometimes it feels, I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like in in church that that there is a kind of mantra that we do need to try and, and please people. And as I said at the beginning, actually I'm not sure that Jesus Jesus wants us to please people. He doesn't want us to please everybody. 
How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? I came across this article, How to Please People, How to Please All the People All the Time, Marketing Tips for the Church. I thought, I've got to read this. How to please all the people all the time. In the first paragraph, it said, if you've been a church leader for any length of time, you'll realize that this is impossible and you can't please all the people all the time. What a disappointment. I I was brought in on false pretenses. I I, 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 I downloaded this article because I think, I thought I was going to find the answer. How to please all the people all the time. I thought I I was going to make it as, as a minister and I was going to be able to please every single person, and there'd be nobody who would ever again complain about anything because we're going to be able to please everybody all the time. Marketing tips for the church. Another uh, theologian, Ed Sheeran, says, "I, I can't tell you the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. Sometimes we can spend an awful lot of effort and energy in, well, not even trying to please people, trying not to upset people. Have you noticed that people, uh, or some people, and obviously not you, because you're still here, but some people are quite easily upset. Have, have you noticed that? And, and sometimes we, we, we kind of, we walk on eggshells in church because oh, we think, well, we, we, we better be careful about that because we don't want to upset this person. And we, we perhaps better not say that because it might upset such and such a person. And if, and if we do that, we might be treading on somebody's toes. And so we don't want to upset this person. And we can, we can kind of box ourselves in, in in trying to please everybody or trying not to upset anybody. And it seems to me that, that Jesus upset quite a few people. This, this passage comes in a, a conversation that Jesus is, is having with the Pharisees who are a little bit upset by what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we should go out of our way to upset people. I met, I've actually met ministers like that in my role as the, as the moderator. Sometimes I've been called in where, where there's problems in churches. And sometimes I sit down and listen to people and it seems that some ministers have gone out of the way uh, to upset people. And they, th- they generally think that, they, that that's okay. And I'm, and I'm not saying that that's okay. We don't go out of our way to upset people. But... Sometimes there's a consequence of doing the things that God calls us to do and saying the things that God tells us to say, some people will be upset. If the gospel doesn't upset us, there's something wrong. If it doesn't challenge us, if it doesn't, if it doesn't make us think again about how we're living the life, then we're not really reading the gospel as it was meant to be read. We're not hearing the challenge to not live for ourselves but also to not live to please other people. Of course, um, lots of people have worked this one out. Abraham Lincoln said, you can please some of the people some of the time, all of the people some of the time, some of the people all of the time, but you can never please all the people all the time. You read that a few times to, to, to get it right. <laughs> you can't please all the people all the time. And I, I don't think we're supposed to try to. I don't think that's what we're supposed to put our effort and energy into. Jesus, in his conversation with the, with the Pharisees who weren't very happy, he said to them, you've never heard his voice. Imagine how offensive that was to, to religious leaders who, who spent their time 
looking at what God had said. And, and Jesus comes along and says, you've never heard God's voice. You've never heard his voice. You've, you've not seen his form. You've not seen his form. And nor does his word dwell in you. This is quite offensive. This is quite offensive. It's, 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 it's like going to a minister's meeting. Imagine if you, if you, if you, if you rocked up at the, the Rosendale minister's meeting and say, listen, you guys, you've never heard God's voice. You've never seen God and his word doesn't dwell in you. People are going to get offended by that, especially if it's people who are supposed to be people of the word, people who are supposed to be leaders uh, of the church. And this is what Jesus says. And why does he say it? Well, because they don't believe in the one that he sent. They've not recognized Jesus. They've not recognized God's voice in Jesus. You've never heard his voice. They've not recognized God's form in Jesus. God was standing before them in, in Jesus. He was present with them and they didn't recognize it. And nor does his word dwell in you. How did John describe Jesus right at the beginning of, of his gospel? Uh, the word was with God and the word was God. And these people didn't recognize it. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that kind of scares me a little bit. Because we too are a people of the word. We spend a lot of time looking at God's word, studying God's word... And these religious leaders spent a lot of time looking at God's word and, and reading God's word and memorizing God's word and, and, and writing it down. You know, things that we encourage people to do. The same, they were the same sort of people as us. They were the good religious people of their day who were trying their best to follow God. And yet, they missed God when he was stood right before him. How scary is that? How frightening is that? And see, right, says, he says, it, it is possible to allow the study of the text or of different interpretations of the text to become a substitute for allowing the text to bring us into the presence of the living God. It is deceptively easy to know everything about the Jewish hope for the Messiah and not know the Messiah himself in person. We can read God's word, we can study God's word, but if it doesn't actually lead us to Jesus himself then we're missing the point of Scripture. From beginning to end, Scripture speaks about God. Jesus says later, you know, about Moses, who of course they put their hope in, and he says, he spoke about me. All Scripture points to Jesus. The point of Scripture is to lead us to Jesus. And if we read and study Scripture and don't come to Jesus, then we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. You diligently study the scriptures, Jesus says to these uh, Pharisees, because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and to have life. These are the scriptures that speak about me, and yet you refuse to come to me. Jesus wasn't trying to please these people. He wasn't going out of his way not to upset or offend anybody. But he was telling them these things because he did actually care about them. He didn't just care about them, he loved them. He says, he said before in, in, in verse 33, he says, You have sent to John and he's testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might be saved. He refers to John as a prophet 
not because he accepts his testimony as being the most important thing, but so that men might be saved. That's why Jesus came. Living to please others is is not how we are supposed to live. That's not how God wants us to live. We're not to suffer from the disease to please. The disease to please is something that we don't want to suffer from. And of course the aim and the thing that we should be living for is to please God. That's what we live for. Going back to where we started in verse 30. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. The person that we are trying to please is God. And that's how we are challenged to live a life that pleases God. And that means that we won't always be pleasing ourselves. We will do things that go against the grain. Sometimes we'll do things that we don't even want to do. Sometimes it will mean that we don't please other people. Some people might even be offended by what we do and what we say. Some people imagine sometimes, you know, oh, if only we could, we could see the miracles that Jesus did, then people would believe, well, no. Uh, these people saw the miracles that Jesus did, and still they didn't accept who Jesus was. They still missed the point. It's like when Graham was telling the story about the donkey, you know, and Josh didn't get the point of the story. And uh, when people saw the miracles... And when people saw Jesus, they missed the point because this was God standing among them. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? Who are we trying to impress? Who are we trying to impress? Are we trying to impress people? Or are we trying to impress God? Are we living a life... In the hope that other people will look at us and say, oh, what a, what, isn't, isn't Richard a fantastic person? Isn't he a lovely person? Well, no. Well, you know that. That's not true anyway, so <laughs> you don't need to be kidded. But how are we living to try and impress people? Sometimes people say to me, you know, oh, Richard, when I'm trying to encourage people to go to Bible studies, I, I don't want to go to Bible study because I, I don't know very much about, I, I don't know scripture and there might be people there who know more than me and I look silly, I look foolish. Uh, Well, no. Uh, It it isn't about how much knowledge we have about Scripture. It's whether we know the person that Scripture introduces us to. You can have all the knowledge of of Hebrew and Greek and even Aramaic, and you, 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 you can interpret Scriptures, but if you don't know Jesus, other people might be impressed. But you miss the whole point of what God was saying in Jesus. How can you believe if you accept praise from another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? I have a testimony, Jesus says, weightier than that of John, for the very work that the Father has given to me to finish, and to which I am going testifies that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Jesus puts in, 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 the, in these testimonies that he presents, it's like in a, in a case in the law court, he's saying the testimony that I'm interested in is the testimony from God. I'm doing the work of God. The thing that God has given me, the task that God has given to me. 
And that's the only testimony, that's the only thing that I'm really concerned about. It wasn't that he wasn't concerned about other people. It wasn't that he wasn't concerned about himself, but he was living a life to please God. What would our lives look like if we decided to live a life not to please ourselves, not to please other people, but to please God? How different would our life look? What if we've actually got it wrong? What if we've actually thought that that the, the idea was to be attractive as a church and to be attracted to as many people as possible? Apparently in marketing, um, you need to know who your audience is. If you want to sell your product, you've got to identify who's going to buy this product. Well, we're not in marketing, but we are trying to market the gospel. And we need to, instead of trying to appeal to everybody, because the truth is the gospel isn't going to appeal to everybody. We've seen examples in that the rich young ruler walked away. We see later on in John's gospel that even some of his own disciples uh, desert him and walk away. The gospel isn't going to appeal to everybody. Jesus said, come to me if you are hungry and thirsty. And maybe Jesus was looking for people who were hungering and thirsting after God because they were the people that were going to accept him. Maybe we need to to narrow down the people that we're trying to, to reach because we can't reach everybody and we're not supposed to, but we should be looking for people who are hungering and thirsting after God because we stand a chance that they will accept the good news of Jesus Christ because they are hungry. And because they're thirsty. And I reckon there's enough people who are like that. That we don't need to try and reach everybody. But we can reach some. Our friend, our good friend Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life, right at the beginning of the book, he says, It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you're placed on this planet... You must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. So many people are searching, aren't they, for the meaning of life, for the, for the meaning of happiness, and we'll never find it if we don't start with God, who created us for a purpose. Living to please God is, is how we are to live. How would our lives look if we decided that we were going to live to please God? How would our church look differently if we decided that we were going to be a church that sought to do nothing else except to please God? That's the challenge.